So let's stand to our feet and, um, and welcome Chad as he comes up. Love you, Is this, this, this is, was this here when I was here? Chris, you are, Chris, you made this. Where's Chris? Chris, dude, good job. Awesome. This thing's amazing. Um, all right, so this is, uh, we are just going to get blasted tonight, first of all. We're just going to, this is the School of Spirit. So we're, I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk about, like, the spiritual gifts. I'm going to just uh, kind of equip. I'm going to touch on a few things. There's a couple of different key things that I want to uh, hit tonight. And then I'd love to do some question and answers. And I uh, can't promise I have the answers, but, uh, but hopefully you have the questions. I have some questions. Uh, and speaking about questions and answers, um, I have a question journal at home. I've had a question journal since, uh, since 2001. I would recommend having one. I ask a lot of questions to the Lord, but also I have questions for like spiritual fathers and mothers. And uh, it's just really good to be asking questions. And sometimes the way to get the right answers is you've got to ask the right questions. And so there really is no wrong question you could ask or, you know, oh, this is like, no, no, just fire away. And uh, but I can't promise you I have the answers. But I know if there's a, something, a question you ask and I don't know the answer, I'm willing to take the journey with you, you know, to discover it. And and so um, we'll have fun. And then we're going to do a time of impartation. So uh, I'm just going to lay hands on everybody and just kind of just let the Holy Spirit move and uh, and we'll probably take a drink as well. If you've never been drunk in the spirit, uh, it's OK. Uh, the legal age to get drunk in the spirit is in the womb. So you're definitely above the age. Uh, you know, John uh, was in Elizabeth's womb and he was filled with uh, with the presence of God and leapt with joy and was filled with the presence. So anyways, that's that's the legal age to be filled with the, with the spirit. You know, the whole place of just being filled with spirit and we're talking about being like the school of the spirit is, uh, you know, this. Well, first of all, this place of friendship and this place of communion, this place of co-laboring with him. And when you get filled with the presence of God, when you get filled with the Spirit of God, you do things that you would have never have done before sober. You know, like like you, you end up doing things like praying for people, prophesying for people, um, getting really, really extremely happy. You know, that that's a good one. That's like a joy is a, is, is a fruit of the Spirit. And so uh, I love being filled with joy. But, uh, but anyways, we'll have a lot of fun doing that. And one thing I just want to release over you guys is dreams. I'm going to hit a couple different uh, places uh, where I've had some dreams over the last year and uh, over the last year and a half. And I'm going to talk about another dream that I had uh, that, um, oh, no, no, not a dream I had uh, about a couple years ago. And so anyways, uh, I'm going to talk about with that it's the language of heaven. So you have the school of the Spirit. You have this place of learning the, the language of heaven, learning the language of the Spirit, that God's first language is not English, that he's constantly talking. And it really needs to come from a place of conviction that he's always speaking. And so just leading in, and that's our responsibility, like to learn our position, to learn that we're called to seek him, that we're called to run after him, that there's something to discover. And every day we have opportunities to discover him. And so uh, uh, I had uh, a dream, and I feel like really praying for you guys, because I feel like the Lord is imparting dreams in this season for you guys as, as a community. 
that, that he wants to give you dreams at night. And I had just been in this like crazy, you know, time of just dreams, dreams at night. And it has been heightened to another level. So I feel like that's something that I'm carrying right now. And so I really want to impart that. But I'm going to talk about the language of heaven and the language of the spirit. And so dreams are one of them. Uh, you know, you, you, have the, uh, you have different levels of encounters with God where you have the imagination realm where Abram, you know, was walking with God. And God's like, hey, as far as you can see is what you get to have. And so he began to increase, enlarge his vision, begin to see, you know, deeper and longer and what God was asking him to do. David would move out of the imagination realm. So when we have the mind of Christ, when the Spirit of God begins to agree with our spirit, the spirit of adoption, where we become children, co-heirs with God, that we're sons and daughters, we have the mind of Christ. And so when that is going on, we can't imagine where we know there's angels assigned to us, right? Does everyone know that? Like, that's like touched by the angel, touched by an angel. I don't know if you ever saw that show in Australia, but uh, that, sh- that show was in the 90s. And, uh, and so everyone's pretty much in the Christian faith of, yeah, there's guardian angels. Like, we have angels assigned to us. So if that's the case, then you begin to, the reality is there's angels in this room. So there might be times when you just, okay, hey, I'm just going to imagine that there's angels. And then suddenly it opens up the door. It's not like some weird mind over matter. It's imagination realm. But there's purities. There, there's, there's a purity of encounters. So imagine imagination realm is like the lowest level. That doesn't demean it. It's just it's a place that we could all operate. And then there's visions. And then there's dreams. And then there's open visions. And then there's trances. And then there's seeing in the spirit. And then seeing in the natural, which that means that something in the spiritual became manifest in the natural, meaning unbelievers would see it. And so, so those are your different levels of, of like encounters and seeing. And that's just one, that's just, that's just a little bit of the language of heaven. You know, like you have, there's, there's things of, uh, creation. There's things of numbers. There's, you know, people giving you prophetic words, like the people around you, your community, uh, offense, you know, when offense creeps in, that's an invitation to, to, to grow in God, to have a spirit of promotion. Uh, it, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a, uh, a promotion in the spirit realm when you get offended. You never reduce impartation services to laying on of hands. That, that you have to have the conviction of I, every day uh, I'm in an impartation service. That, that I remember being in Norway and somebody asked me the question, Chad, like, what's your prayer journey like? What's, uh, do you have times that you pray more than the others? Do you have times when you fast? And I was about ready to tell him, like, my seasons. And, you know, like, I usually do, like, a fast in January and all this sort of stuff. And the Lord says, hey, you need to tell him that you pray 24-7. And I'm like, God, like, you know my prayer time. You know my prayer life. I don't pray 24-7. And he says, no, no, no. Your spirit is in communion with my spirit. While you're asleep, your heart is awake. While you're asleep, your spirit is awake. That the reality is I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So he's always there in the mundane, in like things that we think that are, we're doing that's boring or going to the movies. So it's so important to invite, you know, to recognize that God is with you in everything that you do. That when we come to church, we are focused, we're engaged, we're recognizing his presence. But how do we recognize his presence when we're doing taxes, when we're, you know, going to the movies, when we're going, that he's there. 
That is the reality. And so it's this place of what he constantly wants to commune. And it's a, and it comes from a place where he's not wanting to speak to you so that you become a worker, so that you can, you know, advance the kingdom. And, and, and it's that only like mentality. Like if you only had, if you, if you, you, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to be best friends with a coworker and you don't have a relationship outside of work. Right? That, that would be a very single dimensional relationship. Our only place of engagement, connection, equity in the relationship uh, is working together. No, like you should probably go to the movies with that person. Like there's multiple dynamics. Like m- my wife and I, we have times we laugh together. There's times we cry together. There's times when we are going out to eat together. We're going to the movies together. We're just relaxing together. And there isn't like uh, we are doing this. We're just being together. And so it's so many different dynamics in the same way should be with the Holy Spirit. The same way should be with the Lord is that, uh, you know, I, I shared a little bit of this in October, but the Holy Spirit would wake me up at seven years old and uh, at 6.50 a.m. And we would run downstairs, get a big bowl of cereal, and I'd, me and him would watch my favorite TV show, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know, so it's way bigger than just healing the sick. That, that's a part of it. Like, it's, it's your be- you're hanging out with your best friend. And it isn't just reduced or restricted to ministry time that you're watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That when I was four years old, the Holy Spirit said, I want to teach you how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And so me and him went in there and, and I would just talk to him. I'd talk out loud. And my parents, I remember, came in and like, hey, do you have a friend over at the house? And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's right under the table. And they looked under the table. and There's no one there. And they're like, Chad, you just have a crazy imagination. I'm like, no, that's my best friend, the Holy Spirit. And that, that we just did, you know, life together, what, what you would do with a friend. And so it's so important for this whole place of growing in the Spirit, growing and recognizing the Holy Spirit, that you would understand that you would, that there's opportunities 24-7 to engage, to connect. And what that does is that brings this place of knowing Him, this place of intimacy that's so much fun. I mean, I've had some of the most crazy encounters uh, at movie theaters, you know, where uh, I've, I've gone to just, just different movies, like whether it be Kung Fu Panda, whether it be Blood Diamond, whether it be a James Bond movie where, where he's like speaking to me. And I'm like, wow, I'm in an impartation service right now. And so to recognize that he's constantly giving you opportunities to discover him, to discover his nature. And so uh, I'm going to get into the dreams a little bit, and then I'll talk a little bit more about other ways of, and and I'm going to give you probably a few, but like for me, there's so many more, and I probably have 50 different ways of understanding the language of the Spirit, meaning that there's 50 different ways I've identified and recognized how he speaks to me, but there's so many more that I haven't discovered yet, which is so awesome. And that, so anyways, so dreams, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the video that Justin uh, showed uh, on uh, church on Sunday, but uh, I started this Catch the Wave uh, movement of prayer, which is so much fun. We started it last month, and, uh, and that, was a, that all got birthed from a dream. I had a dream uh, 18 months ago. Uh, well, yes, yeah, yeah, about 18 months ago. 
And I had I shared the dream on there about, you know, stand up paddleboarding central California. And these two angels came with stand up paddles and they began to stir the waters around me. And I suddenly was breathing in uh, healing. The uh, oxygen, like the air that I was breathing in became healing. And then suddenly this cloud of healing formed around me and then went over California and then went over uh, America. And I heard the Lord say, you know, Chad, I want you to stand up paddleboard the whole coast of California. And then a month later, I broke my clavicle, you know, broke it uh, and had to do surgery. And so it's like, oh, geez, God, you gave me this mandate. Now I'm like, you know, circumstances are screaming at me that I can't do it. And it's so important to discover stewardship that that you don't let hope deferred discouragement come in and you're like okay no this is a mandate i'm going to you know i'm going to step into this and i'm going to steward it well and so uh so with that in mind there was this whole wooing for california and i'm going to share a couple different dreams about california and i feel like it's impartation for your city because california is where i live i have a lot of different mandates for different air different countries and different stuff but there's something about dreams about California, dreams about where you live. And I feel like I'm just imparting that to you guys to get dreams for Australia, dreams for Melbourne, dreams for, uh, you know, Destiny Church, that, that God's going to begin to give you dreams that birth ownership and birth this place of stewardship and walking out with the Lord. So, so anyways, uh, about a couple months ago, this is about four or five months ago, uh, I had a dream that I was hiking the Trinity Alps, which are the... The, the, like the forest area outside of Redding. And uh, we go backpacking there regularly. And so I'm backpacking and I'm by myself and this bear comes. This big, like giant grizzly bear. And he starts roaring at me. He starts taking his paw and, and, and scraping the dirt and like this like bear of intimidation. And suddenly like this fear comes on me. And then I think to myself, no, I, if I run, this bear's going to kill me. If I run away, I'm going to run towards it. Like this, like this faith comes over me. And I knew the only way that I was going to like make it out of here is if I charge the bear and begin to roar. So I begin to roar and I begin to run like, and he was uphill. So I'm running uphill, like the worst military move in the planet. You know, like you shouldn't, you shouldn't be fighting anyone going uphill and, and you're scraping and the whole deal. And so I'm running up. And what happened was, is in the natural in the middle of the night, my little girl, who's now three years old, woke up and came into the bed, and she was asleep next to me and my wife. She was in between my wife and I, and I'm roaring out loud, like, at night. I wake up Julia and my little girl, Brielle. I wake them up, and, and, and Brielle looks at Julia and goes, what should we do? Daddy looks like he's, like, really, like, he's roaring. Like, what's going on? And so they wake me up from the dream. And they're like, what's going on? And I'm like, I just had the most epic dream. And they're like, well, it didn't look like it was. That looked like you were like screaming at the top of your lungs. And I know, I was like, I was taking out the bear. And, uh, and, and it's been crazy because from that dream, the, the next day, there was three different people that bought me three different shirts about California and a bear on it. And one of them was on that video. Where if you watch the video again, you'll see uh, a bear holding the state of California like a surfboard. And I was like, okay, God is inviting me. He's wooing me to, to, you know, to, to have authority in California and calling me to pray for California to take ownership of my land. And another dream that I had um, was 
this was a few years ago, uh, that I was, I had this dream that I was in Southern California and I walk into this like castle area and there's cobblestones, like it's like an old castle, like you would think in Europe, you know, where, and I knew that I could feel someone pounding, you know, on, uh, beneath me. And so, um, so I'm like, man, what is that? And I got to get down there. There's, there's like a basement down there. There's no basements in Southern California. So which was really, really weird. And then this older person in the third story says the way to get down there is through the attic. And so I went up to the attic and I found this like big jackhammer and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, that's what I'll work. So I go down there and I jackhammer the cobblestone floor and then I make this hole and I look down there and it's Amy Simba McPherson, uh, Lonnie Frisbee, William Seymour, and Catherine Coleman chained up in this, like, dungeon. And I go down there, and I'm trying to get the chains, like, loose and, and the whole deal. And so these four revivalists were four revivalists for California. They, they lived in California. They saw revival in California where you had William Seymour with Azusa Street in 1906. Catherine, uh, Amy Simba McPherson started Foursquare. She built Angela's Temple during the Great Depression. It was the most expensive building project in America, church or non-church, during the Great Depression. The most expensive. And she, she had so much vision. Like, oh man, I got to preach at Angela's Temple once. And we were, went into this prayer room to pray. We discovered a room where they discovered over a thousand wheelchairs and crutches that they didn't even know about. Like, 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 so Angelus Temple, people in L.A. would, uh, the, the hospitals nearby would go, and the, the, par- the, the paramedics uh, that, that taking people to the hospital, they would stop at Angelus Temple before they took them to the hospital. That's pretty amazing. You would see, like, uh, like, Cary Grant and a homeless person sitting right next to each other. Charlie Chaplin, like, she had this amazing favor and influence to uh, mentor, like, movie stars. But she did crazy stuff for the homeless, and they would all be together. It was amazing. So, so anyways, that's Amy McPherson. Giving you a little, like, bio of each. Lonnie Frisbee was the face of the Jesus Field Movement. Worked at Calvary Chapel, the Vineyard. He was on Time Magazine. Yeah, he, he was a pretty awesome guy. And Catherine Coleman uh, actually mentored Lonnie Frisbee, mentored Benny Hinn. She moved into healing in the 70s and saw crazy outbreaks. Catherine Coleman, well, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, I, so, I, so I, I'm trying to get the chains uh, off of them, and I can't get it, like, unlocked. I can't figure out how to get the chains off of them. And this older uh, person, I can't see their face. I don't know if they're female or male. And they, they put their head through the hole, and they say the, the key to unlock their chains are in the bridal suite. And so I'm like, okay. So I start going through the hallways looking for the bridal suite. And I'm, like, opening as doors of the bedroom and the whole deal. And suddenly I go into this one room, and you can just feel this, like, intimacy, this wooing, like, presence of God. And I even lose why I'm even there. And then suddenly I see this key by, like, you know, uh, on like the nightstand. I'm like, oh, that's the key to unlock my bet. And so I grab the key. I run down. The key fits perfectly. I'm about ready to turn it. And I say, wait a second, who put you here? And all four of them look at me and they say the church. And then I, and I said, well, now you're free. And I turn the key and the chains unlock and they go running through the hills of Southern California. We're free. We're free. We're free for a generation. So that was pretty good. A dream I had February 22nd, which is going to segue um, 
there's something about February 22nd. It was a significant uh, uh, day for me uh, in a lot of different ways. But this last, you know, this was, what, a week ago, I guess? Okay, boom. So February 22nd. Um, I had a dream on uh, February 22nd that uh, that I saw... I was in the conven- like a big convention center, and it was Billy Graham and Oral Roberts, and they were praying for people. And I was there, like getting ready to get prayer, to receive prayer. And uh, and then like they prayed for me. They both prayed for me, and I just got rocked. And I wake up in this dream, and I'm like, I tell my friends, like, man, I just had this epic dream. And then we discover a couple hours later that Billy Graham had passed away. And so it was a really significant dream just about a week ago that really kind of rocked me of like, whoa, I just had like an impartation service with Billy Graham. And, and uh, um, you need to understand that there's a language of heaven and that God speaks to us in a lot of different ways. And one of the things that I had about, oh, years ago, this was about, oh, this is 13 years ago. Wow. I had, I began to see 222 everywhere I went. Like, I mean, it would be, I'd get, I'd get change. Uh, you know, you guys really wouldn't get 222 in Australia, but, you know, we have like pennies and stuff like that in, in, in America. But anyways, like, oh, here's, you know, your change for the sandwich you bought. Here's, you know, $2.22. Or they put me up, you know, speaking at a conference, put me up in a hotel, I'd be in room 222. Or it would, you know, it just, I'd wake up in the middle of the night, it'd be 222 in the morning. Or uh, I'd be, uh, the mileage in, in, in my car would be 222 miles, not kilometers, sorry. But, um, but it just kept on coming up. And I was like, God, what are you saying? And people would be like, hey, aren't you like frustrated? Like, what are you saying? I'm like, no, I'm just so excited that he's speaking. Like, I don't know what he's saying. And there's times when he speaks to us and, and we don't know what he's saying, but to embrace ministry, but also to celebrate ministry. Like, like, I know this is so exciting because he's speaking. I don't know what he's saying, but he's speaking. How awesome is this? He's speaking. You know, and that, that I'm going to take a journey with him because God really cares about the journey. He wants to walk with you in the journey. And that, that it's not always about the designation, that you're uh, unraveling min, uh, mystery, but you're also embracing mystery, that, that you're able to celebrate that, that he is speaking. There's so many times that he is speaking. I don't know what he's saying, but I'm so excited that he's speaking. And that is one of the big things about learning, you know, the, the language of heaven, the language of the Spirit of God, is to observe and to recognize that if you would just stop and begin to pull your attention and go, okay, I don't know what he's doing, but I know he's doing something. Because there's a lot of times when he's doing something and we might be either too busy or we might be like, oh, I, I don't understand. Maybe that's not God. And when you're diminishing, you're shutting down revelation. You're shutting down God trying to speak to you. That if you were just to be like, oh, wow, okay, I'm recognizing. I'm able to connect the dots. Like, this is not a coincidence. Like, that, that's a big thing that I, like, say a lot. I'm like, okay, this is not a coincidence. You know, that, that, that there's so many ways that he speaks to us. So, so for about a good year, he said, like, I just kept on seeing 222. And one night I get woken up in the middle of the night and I see this angel standing uh, at the foot of my bed. And uh, he was just looking at me. I knew it was a watcher angel. I knew he had a message. And I was just waiting. I was waiting for the message. So I'm sitting up in bed. Julia wakes up, she turns over and looks at the angel and goes, wow, that's one of the biggest angels I've ever seen, and then turns back over and goes back to sleep. And I'm like, how could you go back to sleep? You know, like, like how could you go to sleep just now? And so anyways, 
A couple of minutes go by, and the angel opens his mouth, and out come the numbers 222. And I'm like, dang, again, 222. And the reflection off of the mirror, because he was between the bed and, um, and our closet, which was a, a, a mirror, and the reflection from the 222 was 555. And then suddenly I saw the reflection off my wife's digital clock, and it said 555. And I look over at her clock, and it's 222 in the morning. So this angel is releasing the message of 222 at 222 a.m., and I couldn't go back to sleep. So I was just like interceding, praying, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? Now you're sending me angels that are like telling me the message of 222. What does this mean? So I knew it was time to probably call Bob Jones. If you don't know who Bob Jones is, he was like a grandfather to our generation in the prophetic. And he was a real prophet of love. And, uh, and so uh, he died on Valentine's Day. You know, you know you're a prophet of love when you die on Valentine's Day. You know, like... That's pretty crazy. And so, uh, anyways, I knew to call Bob. And, and Bob Jones, he, what he would do is, is he would have his phone disconnected. He would have it unplugged from, from the wall. He would, and he would, God would tell him, hey, Larry Randolph's going to call you, or, or Bobby Connor's going to call you, or Bill Johnson's going to call you, Chad's going to call you. And he would plug it in, and then he would wait for you to call him. So there'd be times that you'd be like, oh, I think this is a Bob Jones question. I need to probably call him. And then you'd call him, the phone would be busy, and you'd be like, or like disconnected. You'd be like, okay, I guess I missed it. Maybe I'm supposed to figure this out on my own. And then there'd be times that you, you know, you'd, you'd call and be like, boy, I was waiting for you for three hours, you know. So anyways, with that in mind, it's, you know, I, I, it's 2, you know, 22 in the morning, and I'm going, well, I probably shouldn't call him right now. So I'm like praying, and, and I'm just like, hey, God, maybe you're you know, going to speak to me about what this means. And, and eventually got to 7 a.m., and I was like, okay, it's 10 a.m. on the East Coast. This is a good time to probably call Bob. So I get on the phone, call Bob, and he goes, boy, I've been waiting hours for you to call me. And I was like, oh, Bob, you know, I just didn't want to call you too early. And, and, uh, and he's all, yep, did you see that messenger angel? So I'm giving you a little Bob Jones accent. He's a, you know, he's a little southern boy at Arkansas. And so he's like, you see that messenger angel that came to you last night? And I'm all, yeah, Bob, that's why I'm calling you. He's like, yep. Do you know what it means? And I'm all, no, Bob, that's why I'm calling you. He's like, boy, do you read your Bible? And I'm all, yeah, I read my Bible. And he goes, yep, it's the spirit of unity. You got the spirit of unity call on your life. It's Ephesians 2.22 married to Revelations 22 do. And I'm like, okay. And so I read Ephesians, you know, 2.22. And that talks about, you know, if, if you go in the context 2.20 through 22, where it talks about us being the building blocks, the dwelling place for the house of God, Jesus being the chief cornerstone. And then that's married to uh, Revelations 22, where it's 1 and 2. And it's the river that flows from the throne room where you have the healing of the nations that come out into the river. And so... Anyways, uh, that was a real big significant deal because I've had a reoccurring dream uh, when I was 11 years old on about just seeing the spirit of unity crash into the church. And, and that's the deal is God gives us dreams. He doesn't give us dreams to tease us. He gives us dreams to invite us into relationship. And we need to have dreams at night and dreams like dreams that are in our heart, daydreams, dreams with God that are so big that our gifting, our, our anointing can't get us there, that we need God to be involved in the equation. And that's called dependency. 
where we depend on him, that, that, that we need him to show up, we need him to become manifest, that we need to be walking in relationship with him so that, that the dreams begin to be accomplished. It's not this whole place of dreams. It's about intimacy. It's about friendship. That it's, that it's you know, you ever done a project together with a friend? I mean, it's so much fun. And God does the same way. He's not up in heaven. Like, like I, I've seen, uh, I've had a dream about creative miracles, missing body parts. God's not up in heaven going, like, grabbing Gabriel and saying, you know, look at there, you know, Gabriel, let's give him another dream at night. Like, break out the popcorn. He, we're going to give him another dream about a missing finger or, or, like, a missing leg. And he'll never see it. Oh, look at that. We're going to, like, you know, he's, he's at the grocery store now. And he just saw a guy with a missing leg. He's going to go pray for him. He'll never see it. Look at that. That's not who our father is. Like, he, he, he's inviting us into relationship. He's wooing us that, it, you know, it's hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire realized is the tree of life. That you begin to realize and understand the dreams, the desires that God has authored, has placed in you. And those dreams aren't just like the spiritual ones. Like, sometimes we have like this deal of, okay, well, you know, I have a dream of clearing hospitals. And that's so God would, would breathe on that. And then I have this dream about horseback riding. Yeah, he'll probably dream in the hospital one more than the horseback riding. And that's not the heart of our father. And he's big enough for both of those dreams. And he actually loves both of those dreams just as much. Like I, I go surfing. And this is, again, the language of heaven. That you begin to recognize how you were made. That, that God has put desires and dreams into your heart. Passions into your heart. And that if you begin to recognize and align yourself to those places, they're probably places where you'll hear God's voice the strongest. And so for me, when I was 20, I was a missionary in Indonesia, and I'm on the airplane, and, uh, and, and me and God are talking, and the Lord's like, hey, would you have done anything differently on this missions trip? And I said, I really wish I would have surfed more. And the Lord responds, I really wish you would have surfed more too, because I find pleasure in you when you surf. And me surfing is one of my biggest open heavens. It's where I connect with the Lord. It's where I hear his voice the strongest, that that it's this place that, that I discover him. And, and actually, you know, just recently I got healed in the water. I was surfing Raglan, hurt my back. And, and you know, and, the, and then you have that dream where, you know, I'm stand-up paddleboarding and, the, you know, the, I'm breathing in, healing. Well, I just, just re- this was last week. I hurt my back severe, like, like pretty good. Couldn't pick up my surfboard. Had to be helped out of the water. Um, it was pretty bad. And a couple hours later, like all my friends started praying for me. And then one of my friends jokingly goes, Hey, didn't you have that dream about getting like, you know, there's healing in the water? Well, you should probably go out and surf and God will heal you. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going for it. I'm going to do it. So I, I get my board shorts on my, my, my wetsuit on and I go paddle out there. And my first wave, I'm a little tight. And then I'm like, okay, God, man, that's that, that is, I still was able to surf. Like I couldn't believe that I could get up on my board. And then, you know, the next wave was totally fine. And then the next wave, they got completely barreled. I don't know if there's any surfers in here, but that's pretty amazing. Uh, and I surfed for four hours. So it was pretty awesome. Four-hour session when I thought maybe I could, you know, I didn't even know if I could get up on a wave. And so, anyways, uh, there's just this language of heaven. And for me, surfing, you know, is where I hear God's voice so strong. And it's a religious spirit to break that down, to, to, to say, hey, you can't. You can't go surfing and, and, and encounter God. And it might be for you. It might be doing art. It might be horseback riding. It might be, you know, so many different things. 
but that you begin to recognize like, that, that, it's, that you don't, it's really God is establishing a spirit of unity in the church right now. And that isn't just breaking the spirit of denominationalism and churches coming together. That's a, that's a part of it. But also he's breaking how we compartmentalize the spirit realm. We compartmentalize the, 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 the world around us. That How could you say you love God and, and hate your brother? It's incongruent that we begin to understand that our vertical relationship with the Lord and our horizontal relationship in our community uh, affects one another way more than we realize. That, that you don't need to compartmentalize or say, well, I'm an evangelist, I'm not an intercessor, or you know, you're a prophet, I'm a healer. No, no, no. We're all called to heal the sick. We're all called to move in the prophetic. We're all called to be interse- intercessors. That, that the Lord is breaking compartmentalization. That, that oh, this list is in the natural. This is like, you know, that's that's natural stuff and that's spiritual stuff. No, no, no. The natural and the spiritual are way more connected than we realize. And so there really is a spirit of unity that's being established in the church right now. And it's one of the manifestations of that is breaking the compartmentalization. Anyways, that was like a freebie. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, there, so the language of heaven, you know, just learning the language of heaven. So surfing is a, is a big one for me. Uh, and then animals. You know, I, I, my grandma, uh, she is a charismatic Catholic, and so she would always teach me about the saints, and obviously St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, you have uh, uh, you have St. Patrick, who cursed the snakes of Ireland, and they all, like, jumped into the sea, and now they have no more snakes. Like, like, like there's something about learning, you know, that what we had in the garden, that we have authority over creation. And also to uh, rule and subdue it, that, that, that we're called to commune with creation. All of creation is growing for the revealing of the sons of God. To understand that creation is inter- intercession. But also creation is like there's things that happen. So I'll give you an example of this. Um, me and my wife, we lived in Newport Beach for a while. And we would go walk in in Corona Del Mar on the beach on date nights quite a bit. Or go take runs, play volleyball there. And so we're walking on date night. And this ladybug lands on my head. And Julie goes, there's a ladybug in your hair. That's so cool. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, and I'm trying to get it out of my hair. And she's like, no, no, no. I feel like it's prophetic. I think there's something like God's doing something. You got to leave it in your hair. And I'm like, really? Like, can ladybugs lay eggs? You know, like, I'm like thinking this is a little interesting prophetic act here. And so I'm walking. I'm like, all right, sweet. You know, my wife's like very, very prophetic. So I'm like, all right, I'll leave it in my hair. It's not a big deal. And, and so after about 30, 40 minutes, we're like getting in the car. And I'm like, okay, honey, it's time to get this ladybug off. And she's like, really? I don't think you should. And I'm like, honey, I think I, think I should. So I put it, you know, in the grass. And we took off. Two days later, we go up to Seattle, Washington, speaking at a leaders conference with Bob Jones. I walk into the foyer of the hotel. And Bob goes, hey, boy. The anointing's all over you. And I'm like, oh, thanks, Bob. That's, you know, so encouraging. Yeah, the anointing's on me. I love it. That's, that's so encouraging. And he goes, no, no, it's on top of your head. There's a ladybug on top of your head. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, what? Like, and, and, he, and he began to tell me ladybugs represent the anointing. And so I began to study ladybugs. I'm like, okay, I feel like this is an invitation. This is God speaking. This is the language of heaven. And so I started researching ladybugs. And for farmers, the farming community in America, ladybugs are known as defenders of the harvest. There's so many ways that God speaks to us. I haven't even started this story yet. Like I've just given you a little bit of the yarn being pulled out right now. 
And so I began to just like, and then I started seeing ladybugs everywhere I went. Like, this was like, it was just like, okay, this is, God is doing something. God's wooing. God's speaking to me about the anointing. And, and you know, I mean, these ladybugs, like, they, they're, they're like sweet and nice, but they're ferocious. Like, they, any pesticides that come and, and destroy the harvest, they kill. They eat them. Like, they're like, it's game over. You know, they're defenders of the harvest. And so Joaquin Evans and I, he's one of my best friends, we went to uh, do this healing conference together in outside of Chicago, Illinois. And outside of Chicago, Illinois, this is where we did the healing conference. There, um, on the other side, about a couple hours later, um, a couple hours away, is John Alexander Dowie's house. And so this pastor approached us and said, hey, when are you guys flying out? We told him, like, hey, would you like to go to Dowie's house before you fly out? And this is, like, the end of November. It was really cold. Snow's on the ground. And he says, um, you know, we have the keys to Dowie's house. Would you guys like to go there? And we're like, yeah, that would be amazing. To give you a little bit of John Alexander and Dowie, uh, he saw over 13,000 terminal diseases get healed. Okay. Did you guys get that? That's like 13,000 people about ready to die from a disease, and they got healed in his healing homes. That's pretty amazing. That's incredible. I think it was like uh, uh, 19 people died. That, that's like a 99.3 like, success rate. You know, like that's, that's pretty incredible. So anyways, we're like, yeah, we would love to go to Dowie's house and pray. And he goes, well, also I have a lot of people that need healing uh, in my church. Can they come? And will you guys do a healing room, at, uh, a healing session at Dowie's house? And we're like, I don't think we have the time to do that. Uh, we would do this right before our flight. Like we don't want to miss our flight. And, and so I just told him, I don't know if that's going to work. And so he's like, oh, okay, no worries. And we show up, and he's got like 50 of his closest friends that need healing. And we're like, whoa, whoa, okay, you know, we'll pray for them, but can you just let us go in here for like 20 minutes, and then we'll pray for them. So he gives us the key. So he said, hey, can you just wait? Can you just let us go in there? So me and Joaquin walk up to the front door of Dowie's house with the key, snow on the ground. It's winter time, and there are hundreds of ladybugs on the door of Dowie's house. It's, they, they should not be around. Like, like it, it's not springtime. They, they should be around in spring and the summer and the beginning of the fall. Like, so there's hundreds of ladybugs. Bob Jones says they represent the anointing. So the anointing is on Dowie's house. And I put the key in the door, turn it, and all the ladybugs jump off the door onto Joaquin and I. So the anointing that was on Dowie's house is now on us. And we're like, we don't need to pray. Get all these people in here right now. And there was people that were deaf, people that were blind, people that had cancer. And everyone in the room gets healed. One kid had cerebral palsy. He was uh, seat belted into his wheelchair. He had a, a, a helmet. Um, he had a leg that was uh, uh, about 13 centimeters uh, shorter than the other. And his dad was legally blind, didn't have a license. He had glasses. They were super, super thick. He wasn't allowed to drive a car. He was legally blind. And so I take his son's legs. I take him out, and, and we watch the leg grow out. And as the leg grows out, he gets healed of cerebral palsy, but also his dad gets healed of blindness. We take him out of the wheelchair. He, he gets out. He starts running around Dowie's house. Months later, the family contact us and say, hey, um, our, our son is now enrolled in public school. He's no longer in the special school, and he's like one of the top of the class. He hasn't had one seizure. He hasn't had any medication. Completely healed of cerebral palsy. It's not done. Ladybug journey is still going. 
So a couple of years later, and this is, comes from a prophetic word and stewarding a prophetic word, and, that, and there's something about stewardship that I want to just release over you guys. It's just stewarding your prophetic words, stewarding your relationship with the Holy Spirit, that, that it, and enjoy it. Like sometimes it's, it's, we need to understand, like, there's times when there's sacrifice, but also to, you know, the, uh, as an overhaul, overview, you should be enjoying your journey. You know, and, and there's times of sacrifice, but you need to understand your focus is not the sacrifice. Your focus are the benefits. And the focus is friendship. The focus is relationship. See, oh gosh, this is kill this cow. Should we just kill it? We should. And uh, um, uh, I grew up really knowing what sacrifice looks like in the sense of my parents went to full-time ministry and my dad quit his six-figure job and we went into ministry and our and we moved into this house it was a condemned house and we uh lived there for a year the day we moved out was the day they bulldozed it down you know like i went to brownsville school of ministry where it was like this whole like missions movement People would argue who was going to be the first martyr, where the focus was martyrdom, the focus was sacrifice. Like, I've been involved in the missions movement where it's like, choose the brown room. And I love that. Like, you need to understand, like, like I love that stuff. But John 15, 13, the greatest manifestation of love is that you lay down your life for your friends. And the religious spirit will get you to focus on laying down your life, but the focus should be friendship. That you have so much equity, you have so much in the tank of friendship that it's so easy to sacrifice. It's just natural when the time comes to sacrifice because of so much equity, because of such a strength of a friendship that sacrifice is in there. But the focus is friendship. So anyways, we took care of that thing. What was I doing? Ladybugs. So, um, so, so a couple, uh, yeah, let me backtrack. Stewarding your prophetic words. Larry Randolph gave me, uh, and I'll, I'll bring it back full circle for the last Ladybug story. Uh, 2003, uh, Larry Randolph gave me a prophetic word that I would see hospitals cleared out. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to steward this prophetic word. So I went to the local hospital in Reading at Mercy, and I began to just build rapport with the nurses. Like, okay, if I'm going to see hospitals cleared out, like, I want to be a safe person. I want people, I don't want to go in there and be like, you know, just, you know, busting through no relationship, just like sneaking into the cancer ward and, you know, hiding under the bed and like, like putting my hand when they fall asleep, you know, like, like I'm not going to do some like freaky stuff. Like I'm going to build relationship. I'm going to steward this prophetic word. I want to feel, you know, I want people when they experience me, they feel safe. And so I began to bring uh, the nurses like these cards with prophetic words in them and bring them, you know, cookies and, and just say, hey, you know, can I like provide a service to pray for people? I work as a chaplain in juvenile hall and, uh, and maybe I could just pray for people in the waiting room. And they said, yeah, that'd be great. You know, so I just started praying for people in the waiting room for months. And then they, and then they said, hey, you know what? We'll just take you around and you could introduce yourself and say, hey, I provide a spiritual service. If you would like prayer, I could pray for you. So they started letting me pray for people in the cancer ward. And, and then we started seeing people get healed, and it was awesome. So I was just stewarding this word of, of you know, every time I went on a missions trip, when somebody said, hey, there's a hospital outreach, I'm like, yeah, sign me up for that. I'm going to say yes to this prophetic word. So with that in mind, uh, at, this is after Dowie's house. And a couple of years later, Joaquin and I are in Nebraska. And we, we, we you know, send a... a team out to do treasure hunts 
And they come back, and they're telling testimonies. And these two guys tell us testimony of, hey, we were outside the hospital, and we uh, prayed for this lady who had severe um, uh, shoulder pain. And we were praying for her, and this ladybug landed on her head, and then she got healed. They don't know the whole journey of my journey and also Joaquin and I's journey of the Dowie house, because this is like four or five years later. And me and Joaquin were like, okay, that's language of heaven. Like, we need to send an outreach. We need to send the whole team, like 24 students, and, and all of us go to the hospital. So we go to the hospital, and we're like expecting, like, you know, the, it's going to, like, blow up, and we're going to have revival and this whole deal. We go, and there's nothing significant. Like, we're like, okay, well, you know, dang. But it's so important, like, to see in the Spirit, to know, like, sometimes you do something and it doesn't manifest in the natural. That does not mean that things are shifting, things are breaking open in the Spirit realm. We leave the hospital and we find out the next day that 40% of the hospital got healed (laughs) without us being there. Like, we had nurses. You remember, you heard this testimony. Yeah, it's how voice you're going. Yeah. Like, like, like nurses that worked at the church, like, you know, like, okay, this is, this is what's happening. And we, they, I think it ended up being over 60% of the hospital got cleared out and they had to lay off doctors. They had to lay off nurses. And so the, the church had to be like, okay, this is a good problem. Like we might have to hire part-time some nurses because they're losing jobs. But, but so, you know, eventually, like, I don't know how long the duration was, but, you know, the hospital kind of went back to getting filled up. And then the team went back the next year. And the moment they land on the airplane, the nurses that are working at the church or with the church are, you know, working in the hospital. The moment the Bethel team lands on the plane, the hospital starts clearing out again. They never said, like, they, they came in, they flew in on the airplane and people start getting healed and being checked out of the hospital. That's pretty awesome. So it's just, you know, it's just following. Like, like God speaks to us in so many different ways, and he speaks to us all differently. You know, that, that it says in Hebrews 5 that our physical bodies were made to discern the presence of God. And so that there's so many ways that we discern his presence, that when my wife feels the spirit of prophecy, she feels like electricity go up and down her leg. And then she's like, oh, this electricity thing's happening. Man, the spirit of prophecy is here. So it begins to ignite your faith. It begins, it's like, like really cool cheat sheet, you know, of like what God wants to do, because that's what uh, co-laboring with heaven, co-laboring with the spirit of God is that you become one of the best weatherman or weather woman of, you know, uh, of, of what's going on in the spirit realm. And that, that's what we're called to do. We're called to lead in and to gauge what, what heaven's doing, what God's heart is for each situation. And, you know, for me, uh, I, I would feel I'd be praying for people on the prayer lines when I was in school ministry. And there'd be a number of times praying for healing that I would feel cool wind on the back of my neck. And I'd be like, man, is the air conditioner on? Is it like, you know, is it blowing on me right now? And, and then, then I kept on going and going. And then I'm with Bob, Bob Jones. And he goes, oh, boy, you have two healing angels assigned to you. And they're, and they're angels of wind. And you're going to probably feel wind in the back of your neck. And I was like, what? That's, that's what the wind is? And so then I began to, you know, engage and begin to recognize when I feel that wind, oh, there's a healing anointing. And I don't know if anyone's ever heard of me at a grocery store like a long time ago. I went to a grocery store and I was hungry for some donuts and I saw this lady with hearing aids. And so I approached her and said, hey, can I pray for you? 
didn't have any kind of a Holy Spirit unction, nothing. I just was like, hey, there's, that's a green light of the gospel. If you see someone limping, if you see someone in a wheelchair, you don't need, like, an angel to come. You don't need to, like, get a word of knowledge. Just go there and say, hey, can I pray for you for a couple seconds? And so, um, and so anyways, uh, I see the lady, and I say, hey, can I pray for you? And she's like, oh, that'd be so sweet. And she starts walking around like, no, I want to pray for you right now. And then, uh, and, and then I have her take out her hearing aids, and I said, so we could see when God heals you. And so I start um, walking away, like repeat after me, you know, I start saying all these things. And then the checkout girl, she starts crying because she can't hear me anymore. And this lady who has 95% death in one ear and 85% death in the other can hear better than her. And so she starts crying, and so she gets healed. And that's when I felt a cool wind in the back of my neck. And then I began to recognize, oh, wow, there's two healing angels here. You've already healed this lady. That means you want to heal other people. So I leaned in to the Father. I leaned in and recognized, okay, there's more that he wants to do here. And that's when he gave me words of knowledge about other people he wants to heal in the grocery store. And then I got an intercom and the whole deal. But the rest is history. So, oh, yeah, I don't know. Some of you guys have not heard that story. But it, it was awesome. It was you guys haven't heard it? Oh. Okay. All right. All right. So um, so I felt this cool wind in the back of my neck, I, and I knew that there's two healing angels in there. So I'm like, God, what do you want to do? And he goes, well, I'm going to heal somebody with hip, hip pain. Carpal tunnel started giving me these words of knowledge. So I go to the checkout lady who's like 20 years old, and I said, hey, this is God. Like, it's not me. I didn't do this. Like, this is God. He just healed this lady who have partial deafness, and he wants to heal other people in the grocery store. Can I get on the intercom and just share what God wants to do? And she's like, yeah, you totally can. So I say, in America, at the grocery store, sometimes they'll say, attention all shoppers. Like, we have, a, we have like a special on hot dogs or something like that. So I go, attention all shoppers. God is in the building. He just healed this lady of partial deafness, and he wants to heal other people. And so I start listing words of knowledge, and I say, come to check out aisle 12. And all these people started coming in, and like, like oh, is it? You know, and this lady comes in a motorized cart. She says, hey, I'm going in for hip replacement surgery. Do you really think God could heal me? And I said, yeah, that's who he is. That's his nature. He can't deny who he is. And so I grabbed the lady who just got healed of uh, partial deafness in, you know, Matthew 10, 7 through 8, that, you know, you preach the same message as Jesus, and you have the same results. You know, you freely receive, now freely give away. So she received the kingdom, now it's time to give it away. So I said, hey, you're going to pray with me. We prayed for and she and she, I said, okay, try to do something you couldn't do before. She moves her leg, and she goes, <gasps> and I'm thinking in my head, and I'm just trying to be vulnerable and transparent. I'm thinking, oh, no, she's in more pain. And, and she goes, I couldn't do that. And I said, what's, what's going on? She goes, I couldn't do that before without pain. And I'm like, well, that's so good. Okay, you know, try to do something else. So she gets up, and she starts running around the grocery store. And then this guy starts pushing people, and he's shaking his fist. And I'm going, oh, man, this guy's going to, like, beat me up or something. And he says, I have carpal tunnel on both wrists. I, I play piano. I teach piano. It's the way that I make my living. And I, I'm about ready to quit and find a new, like, vocation. And I walked into this grocery store tonight, and I heard a voice say, what, what if all the pain left tonight? So God was already working on them before I ever got there. And I, I said, just, just, I'm going to pray for you. Just start moving your wrist while I'm praying. And so I'm praying. He goes, oh, they're, 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 they're hot. They're hot. And I'm like, that's good. That's good. Just keep moving. And so he just keeps moving. He's like, oh, my gosh, all the pain, all the pain. And he's just like shaking his fist, like going, all the pain's gone, all the pain's gone. 
So, I, so I, I'm like, okay, well, the kingdom just showed up. It's probably a good idea to introduce the king. So I said to the crowd of people, hey, God, like, you know, died on the cross for these people to get healed, but he also died on the cross for you to be best friends with him. Who here wants to be best friends with the creator of the universe? And all these hands come up, lead them to the Lord, pray for them. And I went home and I realized I forgot my donuts. But anyways, so, but that would have never like happened, like the, the, the extra miracles and salvations, if I didn't have that time of recognizing his presence and how he speaks to me in my physical body. That's not everybody here is going to get cool wind in the back of your neck, but it's going to be other things that you get. You know, like, like there's other indicators of how he brings healing, that, that it's able to help you. It's able to bring this place of recognition of what he wants to do in a room, what he wants to do in the atmosphere that Bill would tell me, Chad, that I would have um, over 10 years conversations of revival and healing and my left hand would go on fire. But I never knew what that was. And, and then, you know, he had this whole thing of, oh, wow, that means that these are mandates on my life. That when I bring up these subject matters, revival and healing, that these are things that I have an authority, that I have an anointing, that I'm called to give my life to. And so that, that, that the Lord was giving him signs of like, hey, I've marked you for this. And so we all have different ways. Like, you know, our, our physical body was made to discern the presence of God. So you guys doing well? Jesus. I don't know. Do you guys have any questions? Man, up to when he gets some water. You guys don't have, come on. There we go. Go ahead. Totally. And the big thing is with dreams, but just in the prophetic, it's so important that when as we grow in the prophetic, that we grow in our discernment. And so, you know, that, that the prophetic and discernment would be married together. So there's dreams that we have that are prayer assignments to release and to know our place of intercessors, right? As intercessors, that we're called to be salt, we're called to be light. So if we have warning dreams, we are praying in the opposite spirit, that we're releasing the heart of God, that we're asking God, okay, do I need, you know, to do something? And I could give you a couple examples. Like I've had some pretty gnarly, like assignments or just like crazy dreams about death where I will intercede and find the solution, find like, okay, how do I be salt? How do I be life? How do I bring hope? Because if you have a dream that's leading you to a place of hopelessness or a place of where there's like death and it's, and it's leaving you with no solution, no like God's coming and crashing in, then that can uh, really be a demonic place, you know? And, and, and so you just really want to have discernment of going, okay, this is a warning dream, and I'm going to start praying. And so I've, I've had a lot of those, you know, um, and and it's just super important that you, you don't necessarily always have to go do something. It's just a place of partnering with him and learning how to let it go as well. That when we, when we partner with Jesus, we have like a warning dream. You partner with Jesus, and you actually feel a moment of release, and that's when I'm not going to pick this thing back up again. Because if you pick it back up again, it's going to release momentum in the second heaven that's going to begin to wear you down, that's going to be giving you the wrong kind of impartation, influencing you the wrong way, that you're called to influence, you know, and partner with Jesus, release it, and then, okay, I'm going to let it go. And, uh, and so to feel that, to feel that, that unction, but yeah, there's a lot of times where I would just pray for five, ten minutes, or maybe I'm praying for an hour. It's not about a time thing. It's about that moment of release of, okay, 
I think I, I just I just I just partnered with it. I just did my assignment. But then there's times of action, you know, where I've had uh, a number of things like, you know, God waking me up and saying uh, or, um, yeah, God telling me, hey, if you want to live, you need to get out of here right now. And I'm like, I'm not praying. OK, is that the voice of the enemy? Like, you know, I'm going to stay here and be light and be. No, no. God is telling me it's time to leave. And so it's time to go. It's not like, you know, this place of you're freaked out and scared. You're just now I'm aware. I'm aware, okay, there's something going on. I'm praying. I'm interceding. But that, but that happens to me seldom. I see demons, but I see them seldomly. Meaning that if, if, if they're, so we're just talking about like spiritual warfare and we're talking about the demonic and then we talk about the angelic and it's just mathematically that, that if you see more demons than angels, I would be concerned about what you're focused on because mathematically there's way more angels than there are demons. You know, there's two thirds stayed with the father. So if you if you if you think of Africa and Brazil and all these crazy demonic and you know stuff, well, think about how many angels there are. It's ridiculous how many angels there are. You know, on me talking about there's two healing angels. And, you know, I'll be around some people like, oh, geez, Chad, you're so special. You got two healing angels. I'm like, do you realize how many healing angels there are in heaven? There's a lot. You know, like like there's more than enough to go around. You know, so. So, yeah, so, I mean, the big thing is, is to just live from that place of peace and then, and then operate out of that place. But there's definitely times of dreams where God is like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm sending you a warning, you know, to, to pray for life, to pray for salt, to pray for preservation. So, yeah, totally. You know, it's just about the place of position and the place that we pray from is huge. And then not going to that place where... The second heaven uh, is is draining us, is you know, is consuming us, is is dictating our lives and causing us to go into a place where we partner with hope, to, you know, despair and all that stuff. So that's good, but that's a big thing for for uh, me is discernment, because I went through a time in second year where I was having some pretty significant prophetic encounters, and they were like legit prophetic encounters, like. You know, I, I mean, yeah, I, it's just too much to go into, but um, but it'd be in the newspaper the next day. And I was uh, really working a lot with Chris Valentin, and and so I would like tell him about all these things, and then it'd you know be in the newspaper or come out in di- different various forms, and he'd be like, whoa! But then I was having all these crazy second heaven encounters, and I wasn't able to discern second heaven and third heaven, and it felt like I was opening up to the spiritual activity. Where, you know, I, I had no anchor. I had no, like, uh, discernment of, like, is this the enemy? Is this God? Is this me? And it was the only, one of the few times in my life, or really, no, the only time in my life where I said, God, stop. And so he says, all right, Chad, your prophetic just skyrocketed. And so what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to bring your prophetic down a bit, but I'm going to bring your discernment up, and I'm going to marry the prophetic and discernment. And now it's going to take you a, you know, a, a while longer to get back up there, but it's going to be married together. And that was huge. You know, that, that discernment, it was like this, this, this place of being anchored in Jesus, this place of the foundation of everything I do is Jesus. Not meaning that I was like doing things that without Jesus, it was just, okay, yeah, there he is. There he is. He is my anchor. He is there. And, and that I was able to discern this is second heaven and this is third heaven. And I'm called to live in third heaven but I definitely do stuff in the second heaven, and that's all. We could get more into that stuff, but anyways, 
I don't know if I opened up a can of worms, but you know, second heaven is you, you have that you have the second heaven where you do have an angelic, you have the demonic, all stuff. And that's not our, we're called to, we're, we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That, and that's that whole anchor thing. I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That's where I live. That's my identity. I am with Christ. And therefore, the second heaven cannot, like, bombard me, dictate my life, you know, take me out, that, that I'm fully safe. That, that you know, the, the higher levels, higher devils, that doesn't work for me. That, that in our own military, both of our militaries, that when you have generals, they're the most protected. They, they, they don't, we don't like, okay, you got promoted to general. Let's put you on the front lines and have you be killed by a sniper. Like, no, that's not, and that's how we do our military here on earth. How, what do we think we do in heaven? I mean, I think they have a better strategy than our military here in Australia and America. But anyways, um, another question. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I I would probably spend time with the Lord of, hey, how can I be on the offensive of of opening up that place of remembrance of my dream? So it might be that, okay, you know what? Every time I wake up, I'm going to take 10 minutes and just like soak. I'm going to go and just spend time with the Lord and just thank him for I'm getting dreams. You know, Lord, I'm just thankful that the dreams are beginning to happen right now and that, that you just begin to just write down maybe little tiny snippets like, oh, I just remember this red bike. And so you just write the red bike. And then and it's that place of stewardship and that place of Thanksgiving. You know, in Psalms it says Thanksgiving prepares the way for increase. And so you just begin to ask God, okay, what are the offensive, what are the things that I could do aggressively where I'm intentional and I'm investing, and then God will begin to open up the door and begin to, you know, give you little breadcrumbs sometimes, and then that might be the thing that opens it wide open. So, yeah, so, I mean, I think that's probably some of the big things to do. Um, that's really good. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure God will give you more as you go down that road. You know, and two, I just want to uh, release this. Is there any more that have questions? If you don't ask a question, you're going to, like, explode. Okay, good. Okay. So uh, um, I'm gonna just going to hit this, and I really want to go after impartation with you guys. But, but also, he wants to awaken your spiritual senses. That when you become a new creation, that you have spiritual senses. That, that when you ha- talk up to unbelievers, you know, and they see someone who's blind in the natural, they would call that injustice. And that sometimes in the Christian world, when we have somebody who's spiritually blind, we call that great faith. But that's unjust, meaning that we're all called to see the Spirit. We're all called to hear in the Spirit. We're all called to feel in the Spirit. We're called to smell in the Spirit. And I went through a time where the Lord says, hey, I want to awaken your senses. This is in 2002. And so, you know, everyone has a different journey, meaning you don't have to take my, like, like, and I've had people do this, and I'm like, oh, what are you doing? Like, you don't have to be exactly like me. But the Lord said, Chad, I want to awaken your spiritual senses. I want you to put your alarm clock for 2.45 a.m., and I want you to go to the prayer chapel at Bethel, and you turn off all the music. You, they were doing construction on the water fountain there uh, for the globe thing. And so it was completely silent. So I'd go there from, from like 3 a.m. till about 4.30, and I would just pray. And I would just spend time with the Lord. And then suddenly I started hearing like that um, with nobody else there. And I'm like, what the heck? There's footsteps. Like, what's going on? 
And, and I was like, okay, God, something's happening. I think maybe that's the angelic. I don't know, you know. And, and, and so I was just like, okay, I'm going to bring some friends after a couple of weeks. I'm going to bring some friends with me. And I would just not tell them a thing. I'd be like, are you hearing anything? And they're like, I hear footsteps. And I'm like, okay, good. Okay, thank God. I'm not going crazy. And, and so we would just like, you know, engage just, just, and then I started hearing people speak, hearing like uh, different instruments that I've never heard before. And I wrote down one of the like things that I heard, um, you know, one of the, the speakers, I guess. And I show Bill and Bill goes, you need to come with me to my revival library. And he opens up, you know, the revival library, and there's William Seymour, like a message from William Seymour, and it's word for word a message from William Seymour. And then another time was like word for word a message from Mariah Woods Eder. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I heard them speak this, you know, like, and so I'm like, okay, so I'm hearing things in the like spirit realm that, that things are being untapped. And then I went to go on a ministry trip with my parents up in Washington. And we were doing these, like, TED Talks, like, you know, Holy Spirit Night, where it would be three of us speaking at one, one session. And so I had, like, 20 minutes to speak, and, and I was the first one to speak after the worship. And, and during worship, I just felt this wooing to go to the back of the church. And so me and a couple of friends go to the back of the church, and we're just getting blasted by God. And I start smelling this fragrance. And I'm like, what is that? Like, is that... Is that someone's like deodorant? Is that someone's you know shampoo? And and or, but but every time I breathe it in, I get more like intoxicated by the Holy Spirit. And my dad is allergic to perfume and cologne, and so my dad comes back there and goes, "Hey, Chad, it's like almost worship's almost over. It's almost time for you to speak. You need to come to the front." And I'm like, "Dad, no, no, no. Do you smell that? Like I smell like this like this fragrance. I think from heaven." And and he goes. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then he was like, I'm not having any reaction to this. And so we just like wanted to make sure like people were still in worship and we went behind people and like, no, not them. And oh, definitely not them. You know, like, and and, and so we're like, okay, something's going on. And my dad goes, what do you think we should do? And I'm like, I don't think I should speak. I think we should do a fragrance tunnel in the back of the church. Like, like where it's not a fire tunnel, it's a fragrance tunnel. And it was crazy. A man went through the fragrance tunnel so people would just go, like, walk through a tunnel and go, and just, like, breathe it in and then breathe it out. This guy had Parkinson's disease, completely healed. One guy was in a, a wheelchair, severed spine from a car accident three years earlier, got up out of the wheelchair in the fragrance tunnel and walked through the fragrance tunnel. All these different healings. And then these guys were across the street at, at the uh, uh, pub, and they were, like, just drunk with beer. And they, they, were, like, they were kicked out of the pub, like, meaning it closed down. They said, well, now where are we going to go? And they saw, because we were in the back of the church where there was a big window, they saw all of us, like, going through this tunnel of, like, fragrance, like, getting blasted by God. Like, well, it looks like they're doing something over there. I think they're, like, having, like, a, you know, like a kegger over there. And so they went over there, and they said, hey, where's the alcohol? And we're like, oh, right through this tunnel. And so they go through the tunnel, and they get instantly sober, and they're like, what's happening? We're not drunk anymore. And we lead them to Jesus, and they get, like, fully drunk while they're going through the tunnel we end up in a bonfire like like all stacked up like you know and and, and they're like whoa my god this is the best night of our lives so anyways that all started with the, the the fragrance where i was smelling in the spirit so god wants to awaken your senses and all these things are is the language of heaven is helping you learn how to engage with the holy spirit to know what he wants to do and so um Jesus, I want to release impartation over you guys. 
But that, that, the big thing is, is when uh, I was talking to her, I was reminded about, you know, God awakening your senses. One of the biggest ways for him to increase awakening your spiritual senses is thanksgiving. Is thanksgiving just prepares the way for increase. That when we begin to say, oh, like maybe you, like, I want to see in the spirit. You might start seeing flashes of like light, but you think, oh, maybe I'm getting floaters or maybe I'm, you know, like I'm just making things up. That shuts down the supernatural. You might not know, is this spiritual? Is this not? Well, that's okay. You don't need to tell people, I saw angels. No, no, no. Just like you saw something like, okay, God, I believe there's something that's going on. And I'm so thankful that you're in the beginning stages of opening my eyes in the spirit realm. I'm so thankful that you're opening my eyes. And then suddenly, increase starts happening. And so it starts in that place of recognition. And then it brings you into thanksgiving. And then it brings you into worship. And then that will begin to bring increase. And the focus isn't like, you know, how much you see or how much you feel or, you know, all that stuff. It's just about like, okay, following the Holy Spirit, just wanting to more of him, wanting to understand like the language of heaven to get his heartbeat. And that's the whole deal. The whole deal is, is, is discovering the nature of God, discovering his heart, getting closer and closer to him. And that you already are close to him, that you're a friend of God. And it's this place of discovery more that that is, you know, my relationship with my wife. There's there's something in me that desires that I would discover more of who she is after 13 years of marriage, that I want to discover more of who she is, that that I that I'm, I'm leaning in constantly in the same way with the Lord. There's more to discover. Jesus. So I'm just going to release, um, we're, gonna, we're just going to have you guys get lined up, and I'm just going to lay hands on you guys, and there's going to be probably things that get unlocked, and, uh, and we're just going to get, you know, just, just have a fun time with the Holy Spirit pouring out, and, uh, and just get blasted. So, so um, impartation. Impartation can last a moment, but it takes a lifetime to steward. You know, that, that, it, that it takes you doing something. That, that, that when Elisha received the mantle of Elijah, he had to strike the waters to see what he was working with. And so I would just encourage you as, as just, you know, after impartation, just begin to ask the Lord, what does it look like to steward? What does it look like to activate, to see what you're working with? And that you would begin to grow, that you'd begin to just take moments just to grow with him. And you watch tomorrow, there's going to be opportunities. And the next day, there'll be opportunities. And that you're just say, hey, for life, that I just want to discover more of God. And so, Jesus, put your hand on your heart before I even just lay hands on people. Lord, I just thank you for everyone in this room. I thank you, Lord, for hunger. Monday night, here we are, that we just have this desire, this heart cry to grow, to step into the greater things, to see more of who you are. I pray that you would awaken our senses, that you would begin to awaken our hearts to know you all the more, that we would discover your nature, that we would discover your ways, like David and Moses who said, show me your ways. Don't just tell me your ways. I don't want to be a servant. I want to be a friend. Show me your ways. Show me your nature. Show me your heart. So, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for friendship. You know, we are in this place of discovering God's goodness. But there is such an invitation to discover his goodness. And I pray, Lord, every, everyone in here, that we would begin to discover your goodness. And I pray for dreams. 
I pray for dreams at night. I pray, Lord, that you would begin to bring wisdom and discernment where we interpret our dreams, where the spirit of wisdom is on us, like Daniel, to interpret dreams, Joseph, to interpret dreams. And, Lord, that, that we would begin to grow in the supernatural, that we begin to grow in the places of the Spirit, and that we pray for friendship with you, friendship with you, Holy Spirit, and that we would have a lot of fun. Lord, that you would take us deeper and deeper into your heart. So, Lord, just rock us really, really good. Amen.